The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And uh, we're going to do a 15-minute meditation. So allowing yourself to be aware of your body as you settle into the chair or settle onto the cushion. Gently closing your eyes if that's comfortable for you. and turning your mindfulness towards the breathing. Feeling the full breath as you're breathing in and breathing out. Feeling the length of each breath or the brevity of each breath. Feeling it as it brings energy and ease into the body. Feeling whatever it brings with it. Breathing in and the breathing out. as you settle, coming into awareness of the body as it is right now. Perhaps scanning from the head, feeling into the sensations that are present in the head and face. As you breathe in and out, Letting awareness gradually scan down through the body, feeling both shoulders, the weight of the arms and the hands resting. The sensations in the torso the back, the belly, feeling the sensations, the weight of your legs against and your butt against the chair or the cushion perhaps the stability of those hips and that dinosaur tail 
the groundedness of the legs and feet in contact with the floor. And connecting with the whole body as it sits here right now. (coughs) Letting mindfulness take in any prominent sensations in the attention What sensations in the body is the mind and the mindfulness, what are they with right now? And as you experience those sensations, taking note if there is a sense that they are, the prominent sensation is a pleasant sensation? Or if it's an unpleasant sensation? Or if it feels neither pleasant nor unpleasant? Allowing yourself to feel that. Mindfulness doesn't care whether the sensation is strong or subtle, pleasant or unpleasant, or neither. Mindfulness is just here taking in sensations of the body and breath as they happen and as they change from moment to moment. And if the mindfulness drifts, bringing it clearly back to the experience of sensation in the body right now. Being with these sensations in the body of the breathing, of the feeling in any particular part of the body, in the body as a whole, and being aware of whether they feel pleasant or unpleasant might be akin to a child being preoccupied with play. Perhaps the child has a favorite toy and you are being with your body in that wholehearted, fully immersed way, 
that you can sometimes see a child is absorbed with a toy. And if we allow ourselves to step back mentally, just step back into being the loving father or the loving mother watching that child. Noticing that child absorbed in its toy. That's stepping back into the mindfulness of mind states. It's like stepping back and noticing the mood with which your mindfulness is taking in mindfulness of sensation in the body. If you're one step back from it and there is unpleasant sensation in the body, allowing yourself to hold that awareness or be in that noticing, seeing, oh, aversion in the body, unpleasantness, perhaps aversion, or perhaps just unpleasantness in the body. Noticing it the way a parent does. If there's something pleasant that's being experienced, or just mere sensation, just a sensation in the body, and you're one step back from it, you're perhaps noticing how the mind is relating to what it's noticing. The mind might be relating in an easeful, relaxed way. The mind might be relating with greed, a little bit of greed. Oh, I want this peaceful feeling to go on. I'd like it to be this way all the time. Or there could be the absence of that. The mind could simply be with whatever sensations are present without greed, without aversion, without delusion. Noticing how the mind is relating. What is the mind's state as it pays attention to the body being aware of sensation? Is that quality of mindfulness spacious or is it tight? No judgment of which it is, but just noticing how it is. Is it grasping around or clenched around what it's noticing or microscopically examining what it's noticing or is it sitting back from what it's noticing? What is the quality of that mindfulness? 
Is it focused on what is being noticed moment to moment? When the sensation shifts and another sensation is most prominent, is it staying with the moment to moment flow and shift of sensation in the body? Or is it distracted? Not aware. One moment it's aware, the next moment it's not aware. No judgment again, just noticing the quality of the mind as it takes in what's happening moment to moment. Perhaps you're noticing a mindfulness that is staying with the shift from moment to moment and you can feel the deepening into a focused or settled mind, a stable mind that's able to stay with whatever is arising and whatever is passing. You may be able to notice if the mind feels relatively free or the mind is struggling. No need to judge or think either one is right or wrong, just noticing how it is. And in this last minute or two of the meditation, allowing yourself to be with the flow of how the mind is, the quality of the mind as you sit here and as it notices experience flowing by. So in that meditation, um, perhaps you got a little taste of this third area of the four foundations of mindfulness, which is mindfulness of mind. So 
before we were intimately aware of our breathing, the sensations in our body, we were maybe we were when we were present, we were right with it, like a child really absorbed in the toy, you know, feeling the toy, playing with the toy. And when we take that step back to notice how the child is being with the toy, being a little bit more like a parent, if you've ever been around children and you noticed how they were playing, you could probably tell if they were, you know, playing... uh, with a happy kind of mind or they were, they were fighting with one another over toys, they were kind of unhappy with what was happening, if they were playing with a kind of greed, like they wanted all the toys for themselves, or they were playing with an absence of greed, you know, a willingness to share, trade toys back and forth. You know, stepping back to that caring mother or father and uh, position and just seeing how is, what's the mood? What's the mood of the mind as the mindfulness is aware of what it's aware of any particular moment? So maybe just taking a moment right now and seeing if you can tell how, what's the quality of your mind if you step back? There are some types of mind uh, the Pali word is citta, but there's some states of mind that you might notice. You might notice the mind with greed. So the mind wants more of something, or the mind wants some state to stay. The mind might be having a feeling, a mood of greed, or it might be a mind without greed. Right now you could notice my mind has no greed in it. I'm fine with the flow of what's happening. You could notice the mind with aversion. I don't like this. You know, I, the mindfulness is somehow not wanting. As Chris said, it mo- maybe it made the movement from unpleasant to I don't like this. So the mood might, of the mind might be the mind with aversion. Or it might be the mind free of aversion. Notice right now if your mind is free of aversion. It's really a sweet feeling to notice, hey, that's not here right now. Um, A little bit harder one to notice uh, is the mind with delusion and the mind without delusion. Sometimes it's easy to notice those more by contrast. And maybe it's easier, easiest of all, if it's easy, (laughs) to notice that in, in life. So maybe you've been going along in your life and you've had a friend for years and you didn't know that you had the mental assumption that your friend or the, your family member was going to live right along with you for the indefinite future and suddenly they grow terminally ill or they die. And all of a sudden you might be aware that the mind has been in delusion, in the delusion that they would keep on going alongside you in your life for years to come, but now they're gone. So you emerge into the mind without delusion. Oh, All this time I've been thinking they'd be living as long as I. I assumed my brother would live into old age with me and we'd take care of my parents together. But no, he died much younger and he was gone. So the mind with delusion, without delusion is something else we can notice sometimes. The the cramped mind, the, the mind that's really tight around things. Maybe you've felt your mind do that sometimes. Or the scattered mind that just isn't, isn't focused, isn't staying in one place, it's just jumping around. 
um, the developed mind or the undeveloped mind? In practice, have, has your mind started to develop? Is it undeveloped? There's a quality called the surpassable mind and the unsurpassable mind. Come back to me later. Ask me what those are after I figure that out. Um, the concentrated mind, the unconcentrated mind. As you were doing the meditation, did you feel a kind of stability or settledness? Could your mind hang with what was happening? Concentration or samadhi might have started to develop. Or was it simply not there? It wasn't ready to be stable. It wasn't um, with that quality. That's okay. Like I said, we can be value neutral as we practice mindfulness of mind and just go, here's what, this is what's here sometimes. Sometimes the mind will not focus. The freed mind and the unfreed mind. You know, sometimes you might have a moment of freedom. For example, if earlier when I said, is your mind without delusion or without aversion or without greed right now? Woohoo! Your mind's without greed right now. That is a moment of freedom of mind. Versus the time when you're really caught and you, you notice, wow, I'm caught. So the way a parent can observe how the child is being, we can observe our mind and how it's being with experience. One of the great things about this practice is that um, the way the mind is understood may be quite different from what we used to think. You know, many of us may have the belief that whatever we have struggled with our whole lives, that's us. You know, I've heard people say, I'm an anxious person, or I'm a depressed person, or I'm an angry person. Instead of, I'm a person who sometimes experiences anger, and sometimes doesn't, I'm a person who sometimes experiences anxiety and sometimes doesn't. We get into this story around it and we, we believe that the mind, it's just sitting there underground in the mind, lurking, waiting to pop up. Sometimes people have this delusion of permanence that some condition that they've been through a lot in their life is just lurking under the surface and give it a chance and wow, it's back. But no, in Buddhist practice... None of this is permanent. The conditions for uh, greed happen and greed arises. The conditions for greed aren't here, there's no greed. The conditions for pleasant arise and we can feel something's pleasant. The conditions for unpleasant are here and then we can experience unpleasantness. So this, the fact that things change mean you know, these conditions are constantly changing and as we practice mindfulness of mind, we, and we are with, wow, the mind has no aversion right now. Oops, now it's starting to feel aversive. Oh, it's contracted right now. Huh, maybe a few days later it's like, oh, the mind is spacious today. It's in a different state. This fact that the conditions change help us get acquainted with the fact that this is all fluid and we don't have an identity with respect to it. We're fluid. So um, if any of this is obscure, don't worry. You know, as you hang out with mindfulness of mind, you'll get acquainted. You know, if you step back like that, you'll get acquainted with what the different qualities are of mind that you can feel. Um, So I'm guessing most people here have noticed 
when your mind has felt caught in greed, or maybe you call it lust. Maybe not sexual desire, but maybe uh, you had to have something a certain way, like, oh, I'm going to go on this vacation and it's going to be great. Have you ever been surprised that something wasn't the way you thought it was going to (laughs) be? Um, you know if this wanting or wanting things to be a certain way or lust that things be a certain way or greed that they be a certain way is a frequent enough visitor it's so great when you can feel it lift off so I once had an experience of um, I'd been meditating for a few years and somebody gave me a caramel flavored lollipop and I put it in my mouth and the sweet salty Uh, quality of the caramel all of a sudden had me craving more I hadn't even started the lollipop and I was already craving another lollipop I'm like wow this is unpleasant and I actually took it out of my mouth and threw it away now if I'd had more equanimity maybe I could have finished it but (laughs) you know just going mindful of craving mindful of craving but so far, you know, in that moment of practice, it felt more like an intoxicant that I could just, I was like, I do not want to go down this road. I'm just letting go of this thing. Um, and, you know, I'm guessing that a number of people here have tried to eliminate sugar from your diet. You know, you've gotten rid of it. And did you notice after a few days, you didn't even care about sugar anymore? You didn't? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes, like, I go on retreat and I've maybe come off of a period of being a total chocoholic, loving chocolate. Go on retreat, they have chocolate a few days later. Eh, don't even want the chocolate. Because that freedom in the mind of feeling the mind free of lust, free of greed, is so pleasant. It's like, why even go down that road? So, um, the same way you can notice when your mind is caught in aversion. You know, maybe there's someone uh, in your life or at work or some, somebody who occasionally you felt irritated by them. Or maybe, you, maybe they're your partner and you've wanted them to change. You've been like, life would be great if I could just get them to change. I, I practice marriage family therapy and I can't tell you, almost every couple comes in and they're like, could you please fix this person? They, all that has to happen is they need to change and everything's going to be fine. Um, so, <laughs> but when you develop some understanding of where that person's coming from, which is the process of couples therapy, by the way, some understanding of where they're coming from, suddenly, you know, that need for them to change may drop away and that understanding may allow this mindfulness of mind where you're just like, wow, look at that. Here's this person who used to irritate me and now I see that it's just that they went through this whole thing in their life that led them to do this set of behaviors and my mind is free of attachment to clinging to wanting them to change. So... um, by the way, this I mentioned delusion and, and the mind free of delusion are easiest to see kind of together. You, you notice when you come out of delusion that, oops, delusion had been there for years. Um, Andrea Fella gave a series of nine really comprehensive talks between March and June of 2017 that are on Audio Dharma that are all about this. She's really 
uh, gone into it in depth and they're, they're really worth listening to if you want to start to recognize delusion and the absence of delusion in mindfulness of mind. So um, then this fourth area, so you know, I hope this gives you just a taste as you go into the month of how you might practice mindfulness of mind by stepping back and just noticing these ways the mind can be experiencing things. Um, then the fourth area of right mindfulness we will study um, in these four foundations is mindfulness of the dhammas or my, sometimes mindfulness, uh, Chris said, mental processes, sometimes called mindfulness of phenomena. So apparently the word dhamma, I'm not a Pali scholar, but dhamma can have multiple meanings. So it can refer to mental states or it can refer kind of more to phenomena as they are or reality just as it is. Um, so in this area of practice of being aware of mindfulness of these phenomena, there are some traditional categories that we can study. And by the way, these are, there's so much in each of these categories that they're worth a whole another course of study. So I'm just going to mention some of them and go in depth for just a few minutes with some of them. It won't be depth, right? If it's just a few minutes, it'll, I'll go shallow with a couple of them. So... Um, these different sets of ways we can notice how the mind relates to phenomena are the five hindrances. How many people here have taken one of the IMC classes in the five hindrances? Yeah. So right now, um, Diana Clark and Tanya Weiser are completing a series on that. You'll find, again, those are recorded on Audio Dharma as is Gill's series about this, and it's offered about once a year. So you can take a class in the five hindrances. Um, there's the five aggregates, the six sense bases, the seven factors of awakening. Nikki Murgafori has been teaching a class in that all year. Anybody ever take the seven factors of awakening? Right. So, you know, there's a class offered here about annually recently on the seven factors. Um, and a final uh, set of ways that we can look at phenomenon or the mind relates to phenomenon is uh, you'll this will be familiar, the Four Noble Truths. Remember, we studied those back in right view. Um, So two of these, the five hindrances and the seven factors of awakening, are considered mental factors. So they're going to, they kind of follow closely on what we were just doing with mindfulness of mind. Um, How, uh, you know, how we experience. So if we are experiencing aversion, or greed, um, those are part of the hindrances. If we're experiencing this sense of freedom or we're experiencing mindfulness, ah, this great quality of mindfulness, we're into the seven factors of awakening. So those kind of have flowed, they'll flow from today's discussion. Um, The others, the five aggregates, the six sense bases, and the four noble truths, study how the mind takes in reality. Um, I won't go much further with those. Those are worth going to retreats about or studying at length. But just to take a moment, I'll name the five hindrances and the seven factors of awakening, and they might be familiar to you. Um, Also, as you get into these, it's really a great place to see how all of the Eightfold Path factors start to weave together. 
So the five hindrances aren't going to sound like five, they're going to sound like seven things, but I'll name them. So the first is sense desire, or sometimes people call it greed, but sense desire. It means the clinging to sense desire. Not just, you know, we all feel the senses. We're going to go through our life aware of taste, smell, etc. But when we cling to sense desire, that's a hindrance. Ill will, which we've also been calling aversion. Pretty familiar. You've been studying it all year. A third uh, hindrance is called sloth and torpor, or you could think of it as dullness and drowsiness. Not from lack of sleep, from just the mind and body getting sluggish the way they can sometimes in meditation. Um, The fourth, restlessness and worry. If you've ever had that experience of uh, sitting down and you're feeling like you want to jump off the cushion and go take care of the ten things on your list, you've experienced restlessness. And if you've ever been awake at night with your concerns, you've experienced the hindrance of worry. Restlessness and worry. And then the fifth hindrance is doubt. So if you've ever doubted yourself, or if you've heard some Dharma teaching and you're like, I'm, I'm confused by that. I just don't, I'm not so sure that works. Or I'm not so sure I'll ever be liberated. That's doubt. <laughs> it's, it's, these are five things that the human mind naturally does. So no need, again, no need to judge yourself for them. They happen. They'll come up in practice. We need to get to know them really, really well. In detail, in technicolor, we need to get to know them over the years of practice. And when we do we're applying, we start to get into the seven factors of awakening even in being with them. So mindfulness is the first of the seven factors of awakening. Investigation, if you really, as you're mindful, you really notice the details. You notice, oh, how does this feel in the body? Okay, what is that sensation exactly? From a feeling, sensing point of view, huh, this is a pulling in the knee. It's intermittent investigation. The third factor of awakening is energy. So, you know, that balance that we're all trying to achieve of just right, not too much energy where you're just like, wow, way too um, heavy. Um, And not too little where you're sagging and you're not keeping mindfulness. By the way, these first three I notice if we spend time with mindfulness investigation and balancing our energy, the the other four just sort of cascade out of that naturally. So what comes next? Joy, tranquility, concentration, equanimity. They kind of flow out of each other. When you have enough mindfulness investigation and proper energy balance, joy tends to come up then out of joy, tranquility follows. Out of tranquility, concentration or samadhi becomes more possible. And then finally, there's an equanimity. There's an unmovable kind of quality that's not pulled or pushed around by what is being noticed. So, there is, as you can tell, there's a lot to to, um, practice with in this mindfulness of phenomena. And, you know, it's worth 
the next number of years in your practice to get into those. But these, this is our little introduction to these four foundations of mindfulness. And um, allowing yourself as you go through these, as you notice these things, to notice how they play out in these, the rest of the Eightfold Path that we've been studying. Certainly if you're noticing the mind caught by aversion, um, not liking something, you can notice, then does that play out in speech? Unskillful speech, skillful speech. Does it play out in action? You know, do you ta- it, does it prompt you to take a skillful or unskillful action? So, um, just uh, an invitation to notice as we go through this month with these factors of mindfulness, um, you are cultivating right effort. You're noticing the arisen, unwholesome state when it's there, and maybe you're able to let go of it. Say, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to keep craving this caramel lollipop. I'm going to let go of it. Um, You'll also notice when these positive, these wholesome states arise, the, you know, how to arouse mindfulness. You've been doing it all day as we've been sitting here. Arousing mindfulness and maintaining mindfulness. If you stayed with the meditation, stayed with sensation in the body, you were cultivating and maintaining a wholesome state. So there's right effort, right there. So we're going to move next into another breakout session that Bruni will lead us in. So now we're going to have a breakout session um, related um, a little bit to you know, state some um, emotions. Um, so um, what about if you look for another three people, maybe two different um, three people, uh, so that you can meet with a, a, another group? And, and so I can uh, tell you what we're going to explore, what we're going to reflect on. Okay? Please. Practicing awareness of the body as you move and take your seat and take your posture. Establish your posture. And so here is the question. How do you experience the difference between being caught up in a mind state like I'm angry because, and being mindful of it as a mind state, like anger is present and it feels like this. Let me read it again. How do you experience the difference between being caught up in a mind state like I am angry because... And then being mindful of it as a mind state, as 
Anger is present and it feels like this. And there's a short question with the answer to that first question. The second question is, what helps you make the shift in perspective? What helps you make the shift in perspective? Okay. From I'm angry because to anger is present and it feels like this. So we're going to have again... 20 minutes, and we will do the same thing as we did before, going around the circle, having time to share, um, make sure everyone has an opportunity to share, and going back again through the order to see if there's anything additional that comes up for you as you listen to others, okay? Can you repeat the first question again? Sure. The first question is, how do you experience the difference between being caught up in a mind state, I am angry because, and being mindful of it as a mind state, anger is present and it feels like this? Okay? And please, you can begin. Begin. 